I don't know if you've ever had that experience when you've been listening to somebody speak and something they say just goes, oh, and you, oh, and you hear the voice of the Lord just bang for you. So that happened to me on, when did we do that conference, Chris? Wednesday. Wednesday. So Jason, some of us know Jason very well. Jason was speaking first, first up in the morning and um, he just said something that made me go, whoa. And, and I basically wrote the talk for tonight in the next 20 minutes. I can't tell you what the next 20 minutes of Jason's talk was about, but the one thing that he brought was just bang. And the really weird thing about it was I knew what he was going to say because he'd shared the image with us and, and so I knew it was coming. But in the moment, this, that, I mean, that's the, the real definition of a rima word. You know, we've been talking about that. You know, a rima word is where, where it comes alive for you now. So scripture is the logos, but when you read a passage of scripture and you go, oh, I haven't seen, that's when it becomes rima. And of course, rima is also the spoken prophetic word and all the rest of it. Um, and the rima, rima isn't there when you speak the prophetic word, by the way. Prophets. You might think it's a rima word, but if it doesn't land and the other person doesn't respond, doesn't mean it's not from God. But it only becomes rima at that point and the spirit takes it and goes, bang. And the person receiving it goes, oh, got it. At which point as a prophetic minister you go, because <laughs> you have heard and they've received it. I've had to learn that just because somebody doesn't receive it doesn't mean you haven't heard. <laughs> and that's difficult because if you're used to just going, oh, well, it must be me then. I must have got it wrong then. Which is a British way of thinking, really. Sorry, it's an English way of thinking, actually, isn't it? The Celtic fringe is a bit better at that. But... So Jason did this, he shared this image, and I'm going to share the image with you, but I want to talk about the power of God that dwells in his people. Last time we talked about shifted atmospheres, um, in a way I want, they're connected, and I want us to see that we shift atmospheres. It's not something we do on our own. So if we want to shift the atmosphere over Cheshire Boys or over South Bucks or wherever it is, we need to do it. I can't do it on my own. I can't do it just with one or three or five. We need to do that. It's something we do together because we host the presence of God. The image that Jason shared was of a walled garden. Is there one nearby? I've not, do you know what I mean by a walled garden? Yeah, no, Chris, well, I was about to say, I've got a fence garden, but we haven't, because most of the fence has fallen down. So we can't let the dog out, because she'll run away. Um, but you know, by a walled garden, apparently you put, big manor houses used to have these walled gardens, and it changes the climate. Is that right? Talks to, talks to people that do gardening. Go again. You put a gate at the lower end to let the frost out. To let the frost out, so it's supposed to be... Okay, a gate at the lower end. Let's, okay, I didn't know this. This is all technical. But it's about creating the right atmosphere, the right microclimate culture. And apparently in walled gardens, you can grow stuff that isn't indigenous to where you are. 
You can change the soil because you've got more control over the soil, but you can change everything. It's sheltered from the wind. It's the, the, you can, can sort of control the irrigation of it and all that sort of stuff. And Jason had had this image and talked about the fact that we, as the people of God, need to learn to host the presence of God. And that's different between knowing the presence of God is here. Is God here now? For those of you at home, the response was, is God here now? Yes. Oh, careful. Yes, absolutely. God is here. But because we all carry God. God dwells in us, in Christ, by his spirit. We're all glory carriers, that phrase. And, but what we want to see is not just that he's here, but that he's here. Like the word becoming Rima, the word actually becoming alive to us. We had a guy at a theological college. He'd been training for the Danish ministry for four years and had three to go. Now, that's, that's a way to do it and make sure you know, anybody who's not really committed just falls off the end. You know, seven years. And he was doing a year with us. And he was really pleased he'd done a year with us because he knew the Bible. He knew the New Testament inside out. He was a real Bible scholar. And while he was with us, he met Jesus, which was handy. Because suddenly he was a Bible scholar who had all this knowledge that just got set alight, which was fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. It, it went from knowledge to experience. The knowledge isn't bad, in and of, but if it's the only thing, then there's a problem. So that microclimate, we need to position ourselves. We need to create an atmosphere. We need to do stuff, technical phrase, to, and to, it's not that what we do makes the presence of God manifest, but what we do, well, what we normally do is stop doing the things that stops the manifest presence of God. Do you, get, do you hear? That was a double negative in there, I think. I didn't mean to, it to be. So we stop doing the things that stop God being manifest. It's normally, oh, he wants to be manifest with us all the time. Why isn't he? Well, the problem's not on his end. <sighs> the problem's nearly always on our end. And, we, and so we need to start doing those things and changing the atmosphere. God's people, the church, are his plan for the salvation of the world. You do know that, don't you? We are his plan. So, Chris, we've got Ephesians 3.10. Talk among yourselves, is it there? His intent was that now, through the church, through the church, the manifold, manifest or lots of, wisdom of God should be known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. So where's our first witness as the people of God? So it's, some people are doing that because they're not allowed to talk to me. <laughs> but actually, remember, living in freedom, the heavenly realms are... But it's, too, it's in the spirit. The prince of this world and his minions have dominion over this world. 
So our first witness is to those that shape the world that enough. And please, I'm not saying it to people. As soon as we start demonizing people, we're in trouble. Okay? I know within our fellowship we have every political spectrum. I know born-again, spirit-filled Christians on the extreme left and the, well, and on the right as well. But it's not people. We must never demonize people. We demonize the demons and tell them to get stuffed. Because <laughs> they're defeated. So if we want to change the atmosphere, we don't argue with people. The first witness is into the heavenlies. So what do we do? We pray. We worship. We prophesy. We don't prophesy to make people feel bad. We don't prophesy to change people. We prophesy to proclaim what God has given us. Oh, and therefore people will change. But if we go at it with the heart that says, I'm prophesying so that Ali changes, Ali will have every right to turn around and slap me. Because it's not the right heart. It's not done out of love. It's not done out of grace or mercy. It's done out of manipulation and witchcraft. Christians manipulating spiritual things is filthy. It's the worst sin. It's worse than sexual sin. It's worse. It's trying to manipulate the spiritual realm. It's witchcraft. It's idolatry. It's anti-Christ. I don't want anything to do with that. Our wit oh, it's gone again. Our witness is in the heavenly realms. Okay? But the, God's intent is that revelation comes through the church. And we're, we're please don't be offended to those of you under 30. Do wave. It's nice to, Chris has waved. Yes. So not, yeah, anyway. Hmm. <laughs> we're breeding a generation, present company accepted, that doesn't give us stuff about the church. And I'm talking about the Christians, not the world, because the, the attitude is coming stronger and stronger and stronger. We can do, I do Jesus, I do God, but I don't do church. Do not be in the habit of not meeting together. So, so do not give up on meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. We're supposed to meet together. I'm not asking you to be an Anglican or a Baptist or a whatever. The institutional church in that sense is irrelevant. But we need to do this. That's why I'm so excited about Sunday, if you haven't heard. On Easter Day, we're, gonna, we're actually going to meet out in the... F where is it? That way. <laughs> out in the field. And we're not going to... You know, everybody know about that here? But so, we, so if you've booked him for Easter, for Easter morning... We're actually going to be outside, and anybody can come because we're going to have the space because the rules have changed, and we can sing outside. Yay! So we're going to send you song sheets on your phones, and you're going to be able to sing. Now, if the ground is too soggy, which means if you sit on a chair, you'll go... or it's raining, we'll revert back to the booking system and online. Um, so at least we have a plan B. 
Ruth, everything's under control. You're fine. She didn't know about it till this morning, but everything's, everything's fine. But the church, being the church, is so important. That's why I'm so glad that our home groups have kept going, even online. Because that's being church together. And kept. I'm so glad we were in bigger groups by then. I know that caused trouble for some people, but actually to be in that bigger group in a time of shutdown actually has been helpful. And we don't go to church for what we get from it. We go to church because we're family. You don't do family stuff because I'm going to benefit from it, do you? You do family stuff because you love each other. Oh, you benefit from it because you see your kids or your grandkids or whoever it is. Or your in-laws. Or something. Yeah? It's out of love. We are God's plan. Ephesians 3.21 says this. Hang on. So that's what... He's, so John, Johnny's suggesting songs like, to him be glory in Jesus throughout all generations. That's it, isn't it? The end of that prayer. God will be glorified in Christ throughout all generations. That's what it says. Doesn't it? I hope you're shouting at the screen at home. Glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus. How much of a high, you know, an elevated view of the church do you want God to have? God loves his church. I've moaned about the church many, many, not you personally, but the church in a general concept, many, 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 many times. And each time I've cursed what God wants to bless. There's been a little bit of repentance about that. For me. I'll leave it sitting out there for you. The next passage is Matthew 16. I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build some Christians who will get together possibly, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. We don't read the word church enough. We don't see how important. I will build my church. He will build. Do you know what? We can mess it up big time and he will build his church. The the death of the church has been forecast how many times in the last 2,000 years? I put on Facebook not that long ago. I think it went around home group leaders and stuff. The church is bigger now than it's ever been. The percentage of Christians in the world is now much higher than it's ever been. But the media would want you to know that we're, we're in decline. I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not, as we know, keep it out. We can take back what the enemy's stolen. We can plunder. Well, it's not plundering hell. It's taking back what is ours anyway. He's not just stolen people, but he's stolen our identity. He's stolen our authority. He's stolen our fullness. He's he's stolen that fullness of the kingdom around. We can take it back. Hands up if you're part of the church. Hallelujah. 
And I don't care whether you're confirmed or not. Probably a good idea if you're baptized. Anyway, moving on. So, Matthew 6.10. This is what Jason's picture was about. It's about your kingdom come, your will be done. On earth as in heaven. So what we've got to start to do is to see the circumstances and the atmosphere and the attitudes and the thinking and then the actions, because thinking and attitudes pre always predate actions. Yeah. You don't do something about something until you've thought about it. You don't think about it until you're aware of it. You're not aware of it until you're told about it or get revelation on it. And we want to see the kingdom of God on earth as in heaven. And I'm going to go there. Is there any sadness in heaven? Now, have anybody been sad in the last 12 months? Oh, come on. We haven't, we? I'm sad. I'm fed up with the fact we can't meet together. But I'm sad about loads of other things. I'm sad about the friends who've lost people. I've lost friends, not from COVID, but, you know, we're all sad, but is there only sadness in heaven? So what does it look like to have heaven on earth? No sadness. Are there any tears in heaven? Careful. I think there are, but they're tears of joy and celebration, not tears of sadness. Any sickness in, he in heaven? Any cancer in heaven? Any COVID in heaven? On earth? as, well, on earth better than it is now, please. That's actually our heart, normally. Lord, could it be better than it is now? No, on earth as in heaven. So, quickly, seven things. I know they will be bang, 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 bang. They won't be seven, ten-minute things each. How do we position ourselves... To sustain the things of the kingdom. Firstly, we recognize, we recognize that we, his people, host the manifest presence of God. 2 Corinthians 4, Chris, I think you've got. We, it's fascinating how many times Paul says we and the church in the last hundred years reads it as I because that's the prevailing culture around it's not church culture it's just a prevailing culture am I in the way yeah good <laughs> yeah since the 1980s since the advent of Thatcher and Reagan and all the rest of it there's no such thing as society is there that was one of Thatcher's big things no such thing as society it's all about the individual now, we, as church, we went, oh, I'm not sure about that. But now, 40 years on, the I thing prevails in church. What am I getting from it? What are the leadership doing for me? I haven't had a visit. I haven't, I, I, I. If your I offends you, pluck it out. Well, it's a different I, isn't it? Or is it? <laughs> We have this treasure in jars of clay. 
This is Chris's things from last week. You have this itty-bitty living space. Yes, we are jars of clay, but the treasure is infinite. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. It's from God and not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side. Do you felt that in the last 12 months? We're, but not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not abandoned. I've stopped reading the Bucks Free Press. Because <laughs> if I, do you know what? If I can't believe the articles in the Bucks Free Press about us, because I know they're not true, can I believe anything in the Bucks Free Press? It's a bit sad, isn't it? It's a bit sad. Struck down but not destroyed. Don't worry about verse 10. Yeah. We carry this treasure in jars of clay, and we need to recognize it. The first thing, we need to know we can host the manifest presence. That's the first thing. We need to recognize that the manifest presence is possible. Is Jesus present in all of you online? You'll have to speak up online. Sorry, can't hear. But yes, absolutely. So therefore, if he is present, then his manifest present is just a breath away. But we've got to invite him. We've got to ask him. Well, Jesus is present or we'll be fine. Well, Jesus has been present with me many, many times and things haven't been fine. Because actually I've not acknowledged his presence, I've not walked in his presence, I've not been engaged in his presence, I've been engaged in my thing, my way, in my strength. And he doesn't deny he's with me. But I've got hold of the steering wheel and the gear stick and the, it's the shift. Yeah. For the Americans present, it's fine. <laughs> well, you know. Let's, let's push that analogy. Just because God is in us doesn't mean the car's now automatic and he drives it immediately. We've got to... Yeah. Sometimes we get out of the driving seat and let him drive. Sometimes it's dual control. Sometimes he lets us drive and tells us what to do. But it's that cooperation. First thing. Second thing. Everything... And you, some of these you'll go, yeah, we know this, Laurie. Good. Put it all together. Second thing, we do everything by revelation. John 5, 19. Jesus gave them this answer. I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by himself. Just take that in for a moment. Jesus can do nothing on his own. Did you hear that? Jesus can do nothing on his own. He can only do what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son does. For goodness sake, if it's true for him, oh, flip, it's true for us. How much of what we do is because it's to please people, is to keep the church authorities happy, is to not upset the, the neighbourhood, rather than doing what he's telling us to do. Third thing. We've got to actively pursue restoration. Luke 19.10 says this. The Son of Man came to seek and save what was lost. Again, we know the Greek there actually is better translated, that which was lost. Come in. You're welcome. 
fine. <laughs> Maybe if one of you shuts it, then one, it won't bang, and two, we won't get cold. So we, we actively seek restoration, but we seek it individually and then together. How many of you here, I'm sorry guys, I can't, I don't know who's online. How many of you here have had prayer appointments? Yeah, there we go. So now, are you now seeking the restoration of your family? There's some nodding and some going, oh, are you seeking the restoration in your job? Yeah, you can nod at all, can't you? It's fine. <laughs> That's good. You know, I was talking to somebody over the weekend, not somebody who worships with us, but somebody who's been on conferences, had prayer, and said, well, I've dealt with my fear. I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, great. Good luck with that one. You've dealt with a layer of your fear, and you may have taken it very deep, but there's more and more and more. We won't be fully free this side of heaven, but... So... We host the presence, recognize we can. We do things by revelation. We pursue restoration. And that means choosing holiness and choosing the things that bring wholeness. Fourthly, we walk in intimacy. We walk in intimacy. Not all these have scriptures because it would have been just too many otherwise. We walk in intimacy. Sadly, that wasn't in tongues. That was, sort my teeth out. We walk in intimacy with him and with each other. Don't panic. It doesn't mean I'm going to come and sit on your lap. You're fine. We still need to socially distance. But we walk in that place where there is intimacy, primarily with God. We are set apart from the world. We are hagios. We are all saints. We're set apart and we're set apart, what for? For intimacy with him. We're set apart for intimacy with him. But we are in the world as well. Though we are not of this world, we are in the world. Sad thing is so often as Christians, we look like everybody else. Please don't just look odd for the sake of it. Don't just be stupid for the sake of it, but be a fool for Christ in amongst the wisdom of the world. And be different. It's going back a long way now when James was born. It's going back 27 years. Do you want to know the sex of the baby? No, not really. Well, when you have that, you can have the, the amniocentesis test and you can find out whether the Down syndrome and you can work out whether you want to abort the... No, thank you. No, thank you. Well, what happens if you have a Down syndrome? We put up with it, we deal with it, we sort it out. And the, the look on the, the midwife, midwife, whoever it was we were talking to, was like, what? Surely if you find out, you'll abort the... But no, we won't. And even, as I say, 28 years ago, 27, 28 years ago, that was weird. But we're, we're just different. A different set of stuff. Be known in your workplace. Yeah, if you work in a Christian workplace, it's, difficult, it's diff, difficult to be different to everybody else. But otherwise, be known in your workplace as somebody who is different. Who doesn't steal the pens, who doesn't cheat the time, who doesn't choose holiness. So church, we need to 
recognize we can man, um, host his presence. We do it by revelation. We pursue restoration. We pursue intimacy. And we make sure the church, not this building, but us as a community, are the safest place on earth. That we are the safest place on earth. Now, it's really sad because the rate of uh, abuse and all that sort of stuff within church is just the same as it is in the world, which is wrong. It's absolutely wrong. So, let us be different. Let us be different. We create the safest place. We're the safest people. And we can only do that by doing the intimacy thing. Because it's the intimacy with God that enables us to be open. Sixthly, there's transparency between us. There's transparency about what we do. About who we are. Look round, maybe not at home, imagine somebody else. Do you know their original design? Have you shared your original design with other people? We've done it as a staff. And as soon as you hear somebody else's original design, you change. Because the original design defines them. Normally, we define people by the way they rub us up the wrong way. Or so-and-so is an awkward, what's it? Or so-and-so can be a bit mouthy, or so-and-so is a bit... And it's nearly always a negative thing. So we need greater transparency. And that demands greater humility. Remember, humility doesn't mean being ever so, ever so humble or being a doormat that we can be trodden all over. Humility means agreeing with God about who we are. Are you a mighty warrior in the heavenlies? Agree with it. That's humility. But don't do that thing where you go, oh, I'm useless, I'm rubbish, I'm nothing. God thought you were so valuable that he gave his only son to die for you. And if you say, I'm worthless, I'm nothing, I'm nobody, you're denying the blood of Jesus. Again, not a good place to be. But do not think of yourselves more highly than you ought. The enemy doesn't care which side of the horse you fall off. You've heard this before. If he can push you over one side and you fall into pride, great. If he can push you over the other side and you fall into insignificance, fine. The enemy doesn't care as long as you fall off the flipping horse. We ride in humility, confident in who we are in Christ. And finally, so this whole thing, Presence, revelation, restoration, intimacy, safety, transparency. Because if we do that stuff, there will be unity. There will be unity. And it doesn't matter that Johnny did the hymn at the beginning. One, on the guitar. That would have upset some people. Two, in a different time signature to the original, which nearly confused me, even in the first verse. But... People have left churches over things like that. Seriously. People have left churches because they've chosen the wrong colour for the curtains or the carpet in the hall. Who cares? People have left churches because of the time of the service. 
or the place of the service. Who cares? I love this building. But who cares? We meet to, ga- to gather to worship Jesus. And if we have to do it under a tree like they do in large parts of rural Africa because that's the only place they can meet, great. I seem to manage to worship without sound systems as well. But anyway, moving on. And without electric guitars. Because you know what happens when there's unity. Psalm 133. How good and pleasant it is when brothers and sisters live together in unity. It's like precious oil poured on the head and running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes, as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. Better translation, there the Lord commands the blessing, which is eternal life, which starts now. Well, started the moment you were born again. When I say the moment you were born again, if you're sitting there or sitting at home going, what does he mean born again? Talk to me. For goodness sake, if you want to experience all this, that's where it starts. So we've got those seven things. His presence in us is power. Amos, don't worry about the scripture, Chris. Amos uh, talks about a plumb line. And we need to be in alignment with what he's doing. But his presence in us is power. His people host this presence. His people, therefore, will manifest power. And I'm desperate to see more of that. Notice I didn't say to see that, because we are seeing it from time to time. But I want to see it all the time. And of course, once these people start to manifest power, it will be opposed. So we've got to do the spiritual warfare. It will need nurturing back round the circle onto those seven things again. Check them. Are we doing them? Are we there? And it needs to be intentional. And that's, I'm going to leave, I'm just going to do a couple of things and then draw us into worship. Johnny hasn't moved. There you go. I thought if I mentioned the word worship, he might actually, like Mr. Ben, suddenly appear behind me. (laughs) Don't worry, Johnny, there's no rush. (laughs) We've got to be intentional about it. And this is where it starts in worship. It starts as we gather in his presence. Can I ask you, as you worship, do this, do these things, choose to believe your identity in Christ. Choose to believe you are full and complete in Christ. That we are spiritual warriors. Limited physically, yes. Limited by our sinfulness, yes. But we carry the presence of God and we are mighty spiritual warriors. Choose your identity. Then choose unity. Ask God for grace for those who are different to us. I know the thing with Leonard and Marianne this morning was just a bit of silliness. But actually there's quite a deep message in it. A lot of the people I love dearly are really, really weird. 
and very different to me. Try now trying hard not to look at anybody in particular. I'll turn around and look at Johnny instead and let me find you. So choose his identity, choose unity, and finally choose to see that manifest power. Lord, I want it. I want to see that power manifest in me and in us. Speak out the truth. Expect God to do what he's, present, he's promised. Rejoice and worship him. So shall I just run those three again? Choose, your, choose to believe your identity. Choose unity to celebrate diversity. And choose the manifest power of God as we worship. Lord, Thank you that you are here. Lord, we choose. Oh. Lord, we choose to walk into your manifest power, your manifest presence. Oh. We say to the enemy, get out, get lost, get off. We're not listening to you. We're not listening to your lies. We're not listening to anything that you're doing. We're not looking at you. Go. Jesus, fill, fill our sight, our spiritual sight. Fill us, Lord. Visions of rapture. We choose unity, Lord. We choose you, Jesus.